Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. This is you. Are you carrying the weight of the world? Is work stressing you out? Life not all you thought it would be? I bet a lot of that weight you added yourself. Making assumptions before you know the facts. Imagining the worst case scenario. Caring more about people's opinion than God's. Battling the problem before it even exists. Thinking that everyone has a hidden agenda. Taking charge before God gave the green light too proud to ask for help, living with no plan, because life might end tomorrow. Oof, that is a lot of added weight. You don't need to carry that anymore. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4.6 Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are really glad to have you here. And if you have a a Bible with you um, or a Bible app on your mobile device, please turn with me to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter uh, number four this morning. And uh, uh, I just want to welcome you this morning to, um, as we kick off a brand new series titled, Why Worry? Because uh, let's just be honest with each other, okay? If there's anything that we are good at, if there is anything that we know how to do. If there's anything that we are intimately familiar with, it is worry. It's anxiety, right? It's fear. We know how to worry. I mean, we worry about money. We worry about our families. We worry about our jobs and careers. We worry about taxes. We worry about the fact that our tires are getting a little bit bald. We worry about the, 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 the fuel light when it comes on. We worry about our spouses and our relationships. We worry about our friends. We worry about you know uh, what's being said on Facebook and, and who's saying it. Uh, we worry about having that dreaded conversation every night of, what do you want to eat for dinner? I don't know. What do you want? You know. We worry about eating too much. We worry about missing out. We worry about what to wear. We worry about forgetting to to turn off the curling iron. We uh, worry about, not me, but, but obviously, but some people do. <laughs> but we worry about what, you know, um, uh, how the, this season of Walking Dead is going to end, and we worry about uh, our kids and, and, and you know, what, what their teach, who their teacher is going to be this year, and we worry about whether our kids are old enough or strong enough to play that next level of football. We worry about our kids watching too much TV or spending too much time with technology. We worry about them having sex or doing drugs or getting into an accident. We worry about things like terrorism and, and, and nightclubs being shot up and we worry about presidential elections and we worry about you know where our country is headed and we worry about cancer and Alzheimer's and Zika and Ebola and we worry about healthcare services and we worry about whether or not to call in hospice. We, we by our very nature it seems worry about a whole lot of stuff and, and this is just a tiny little list I just gave you. Okay, In fact uh, if we're going to be honest with ourselves um, how many of you would actually describe yourself as a worrier? Come on, raise your hands. All right. Now, you worry about a lot of stuff. Now, how many of you maybe are not really a chronic worrier? We don't worry all the time, but you do have quite a bit of stuff to worry about, like kids and your job. And, okay. We, we, okay. All right. The truth is the vast majority of us 
the vast majority of us, in fact, if we're honest, probably all of us are on some level worriers. We worry about something. We all worry about stuff. We get anxious about stuff. Okay? And, and so some of us, you know, we've been so worried about things that we've actually experienced anxiety attacks in our lives. How many have been there before? Okay, yeah, a number of us. All right, we worry about things. And this worry affects our lives, okay? We lose sleep sometimes because of worry. Sometimes we don't eat so well. Sometimes we make ourselves physically ill because of our anxiety. Our hearts race. Our breathing gets labored. Our stomachs churn. We get nauseous. Sometimes we worry, you know, so much that we get headaches and neck aches because of the tension uh, that we feel from, from worry. Sometimes we get so worried and anxious that it affects our moods and, our, and it affects our relationships as we grow more and more impatient with everyone around us around us because we're so wound up because of fear and worry. Yeah, we've all been there before. But, but, but here's the worst part about worry. The worst part about worry is that we all know something about worry. We all know something foundational about worry. And what we know is this, is that it don't help. Okay? Worry doesn't help. It doesn't work. It doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't fix anything. Worry oftentimes actually makes things worse. And we all know it because when your friends and your family worry about stuff, what do you say? You say, well, hey, there's, there's, you shouldn't be worried because it doesn't help. Right? You know, don't worry because worry makes it worse. Worrying's not going to help. That's what you tell them. That's the advice that you have given before. In fact, it doesn't matter if you're young or old or married or single. It doesn't matter how much money you have or what your intelligence level is. At some point in your life, you have told somebody, don't worry because it doesn't help. You have told your friends, don't worry. Be happy. Right? Because worry doesn't help. Right? And you know that it doesn't help. But when your friends turn around and they tell you the same thing, they're like, hey, man, don't worry because it didn't help. You're like, shut up. Okay? You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my situation is. You don't know what I'm feeling right now. You don't know what's going on inside of me. Right? And so you go ahead and you ignore your own advice. Right? Even when you know that it's not helping, even when you know that it's not going to change anything. Because we all know that worrying isn't helpful. It's actually a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. Okay? And it actually can, can be counterproductive and even harmful. Worrying can, can have physical consequences on your body. Okay? People who worry too much you know, are more likely to be fatigued and get sick. People who worry too much you know, actually suffer from blood sugar is issues and, and, and suppressed immune system and, and short-term memory loss and premature heart disease and digestive disorders. And most people know this, yet we still do it. We still worry. Did you know that worry and fear and anxiety can negatively affect your marriage and your personal relationships or your job and your finances? That excessive worry can lead to depression and even suicidal thoughts. Worry is counterproductive and even destructive to your life. And we know this, but we still do it. We still worry. Why? Why do we engage in a behavior that we know is not helping, right? And it's counterproductive and even harm harmful. I mean, why? I mean, think about this. I mean, really give this some thought. Why do we do it? Because you know it's not helping. And I know for a fact that you don't like that feeling in your gut when you worry, right? I know for a fact that you don't enjoy that tension in your neck and in your head, you know? I know for a fact that when you lay down at night, you actually would like to go to sleep and not lay there tossing and turning and worrying about the issues. I know that you don't want you know, your heart to race and your, and your, your breathing to be labored when you think about things. I know you don't want to snap and yell at your, your, your kids and your, your spouse because you're so stressed out because of worry. I know that. And you know that. So why? 
Why do we do it? I mean, why do we worry? We know it's not good. We know it's not going to help. We know it's counterproductive. And we don't like the way it makes us feel. So why do we continue to worry? Well, actually, that's exactly what this series is about. Now, this series, over the next few weeks, we're going to explore the nature of why we worry and then what to do about it. We're going we're to look at the causes of worry and fear, but most importantly, we're going to dig into the Word of God and we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about these things. And we're not just looking for theology. Okay, we, we, we're certainly looking for that, but we're not just looking for theology. We're looking you know, to the Word of God for real world timely, practical advice that we can apply to our lives in order to deal with anxiety and fear and worry. And, 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 and we're going to go to the Bible and we're going to look at what God has to say of how we actually deal with this. And so we can actually live the lives that God wants us to live because here's the truth. Over 300 times in the Bible, God says, do not fear, do not be afraid, do not worry, do not be anxious. Okay? If God says it that many times, he's making a point. Okay, He is making a point here. And what the point is this. God does not want you to live a life of worry. God does not want you to live a life of worry because it doesn't help and it doesn't glorify him. All right, now let me make you a promise here. Okay, In this series, if you will apply the principles that we're going to learn from the Word of God in this series... Okay, about worry and anxiety. I can't promise you're never going to have anything to worry about again, but I can promise if you apply what you learn here, you will be far better equipped to deal with worry, anxiety, and fear, and your life won't be defined by these things. I can promise you that. I can promise that your life will actually be better if you will take what you learn from the Word of God and apply it to your life. You will sleep better. You will feel better physically. You will think more clearly. You will recover from anxiety quicker. You will be happier. You will have more joy in your life as a result. And most importantly, you will be able to glorify God in your life better. Okay, that's the promise that I can make you. If you apply what you learn here in the next few weeks, and so I want to encourage you to commit here to be, the, be here for the ne next four weeks because we're going to go and take an in-depth look of why we worry and what you can actually do about it in your life. And so let's, let's jump in here this morning. Let's talk about the root cause of why we worry. Now, there's a number of reasons why we worry. There's a number of things that cause us to worry, but, but, but even though that there's a number of things that, that cause us to worry, there's only really one root cause to that. And the root cause is what I like to call the worry monster. Okay? Now this might seem really silly to you, but there actually is a worry monster. Okay? And all of you have one. Okay? And the worst part about the worry monster is, is that he reminds you of everything you have to worry about. That's his job. Okay? The worry monster is wherever you go. He's continually whispering in your ear all the things that you should be worried about. Whenever something happens in your life, the worry monster gives you all the reasons why you need to be anxious about it. And the worry monster tells you things like, you know, that might, you might not have enough money to pay the bills and get groceries. Okay? The worry monster tells you that your boss is looking for a reason to get rid of you. The worry monster tells you that your kids are not going to be able to figure out common core math or, or that they might not be able to find their way through junior high. The, the worry monster tells you that your car is going to break down or you shouldn't you know, get your hopes up because you're always going to fail like you always do. The worry monster will tell you that everyone around you, is, even though they're acting nice, they actually have their own hidden agenda and they're just trying to get over on you and so that you, they can't really be trusted. The worry monster encourages you to think about things that won't even happen, okay? Just worrying about every possible scenario that, that could possibly go wrong in your life. And the very worst part about the worry monster is it's always there. No matter where you go, 
It's always there whispering in your ear. And you know why that is? You know why the, the worry monster is always with you? Is because um, the worry monster is you. Okay? It's you. You're the one who's the worry monster. All right? You're the one who plants those worrisome seeds in your own head, who continually brings to mind all the things that you worry about. And you might say, well, well no, that's the devil. And I'm going to tell you the devil certainly contributes to worry, but, but you're the one that actually finds the things to worry about and feeds that worry. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's not true. I'm not the worry monster, but I'm telling you it is true, and here's why. At the very root of, and at the very heart of, of worry, and, and at the very heart of the, the worry monster that's inside of you, Okay, is a truth that you just have not come to terms with in your life. If you worry, you have experienced anxiety, okay, and you have done that because you have not come to terms with a basic truth about life and about your life and about the way the universe works. It's a truth, if you worry, that you have not fully accepted. If, if the worry monster is alive and well inside of you, then you have not fully accepted this basic truth. Well, what is that? Truth. Well, let me show you. In fact, to help set this, to set this up and see this basic foundational truth, turn with me to Matthew. Um, we're going to be in actually chapter 6, just for a couple minutes. Because in this text, we're going to actually see this truth. Okay? And in this particular section, Jesus is in fact addressing worry and anxiety. But there's something in this text that reveals really what the root problem is for us. And so uh, we'll read what uh, Jesus says, beginning in verse 25. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So he begins talking about anxiety and worry right up front. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food? Is not body, your, the body more than clothing? See, it says, uh, look at the birds of the air, neither they neither reap nor sow nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. God takes care of them. Okay? Are you not more valuable than they? And this is the basic idea of this text. This is the basic idea of, the, of this series. And we're going to talk a lot more about this text in the coming weeks. But look with me what Jesus says in the very next verse. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Okay. Now this right here, this is actually... You know, this is how it's translated in the Greek, you know, by about half of the English Bibles in print today. The essential idea is how many of you by worrying can actually live a longer life is, is, is kind of the idea here. That's the basic idea. Now, another way that this gets translated or a variation of this reads like this. It says, which of you by taking thought or worrying can add a cubit unto your stature? Or in other words, who of you by worrying can make yourself taller. Now, we can talk about and we can debate which rendering is correct because the truth is there's compelling manuscript evidence uh, for both readings, but, but that's really immaterial because the point of the text is exactly the same. Okay, And the point of the text is this. If you worry, you can't add more time to your life. If you worry, you can't make yourself taller. If you worry, you can't make yourself more intelligent. If you worry, you can't change the weather. If you worry, you can't turn back time and predict the future. If you worry, you still can't Make people do things that, that they don't want to do. If you worry, you can't make other people live any longer than they're going to live. So why do you worry? Because, because how many of you who worry can control the things that you really have no control over anyway? That's what Jesus is asking. Okay? Worry doesn't give you the control of things that you can't control. That's the point. You see, at the root of worry 
is really this denial of this fundamental truth. And the fundamental truth is you are not in control. Okay? That is the truth that you deny when you worry. You are not in control. That is, that is why you worry. Because when some, because somewhere in, you know, inside of you, somehow inside of you, this worry monster is telling you, you should be able to control something that you can't control. You can't control the economy. You cannot control the presidential politics. You can't control cancer cells. You can't control other people. You can't control the weather. You can't control your spouse and what they think about. You can't control the goober who is continually posting his uneducated opinion on Facebook all the time. You can't control the stock market. You can't control oil prices. You can't control the value of the dollar. You can't control the decision your boss's boss that makes that he makes that affects you. You can't control the governor. You can't control the educational system. You can't even control yourself most of the time. And you darn sure can't control control whether or not you or anybody else wakes up tomorrow morning. Okay? You are not in control. And the root of your worry is a denial of this basic truth. Because there's something in you and something in me that says, if I'll just continue to ruminate about this, if I'll just continue to think about it and grind on it and roll it over my mind and beat myself up over this, somehow, some way, I'll be able to have some control over it. I'll be able to change this situation. I'll be able to figure out how to correct it. I'll be able to magically undo what's been done. I will figure out a way to control what I can't control. But guess what? You can't. You can't control what you can't control. That's the thing you've got to just come to understand. You can only change the things that you can control. And guess what? What you control ain't very much. Okay? Whether you want to admit this or not, you don't have control over very much. Because you live in a universe that's 96 billion light years across, all composed of quantum information that's the source of time and energy and material, none of which you fully understand. These things contribute to forces like gravity and the speed of light and the cosmological constant, all of which that govern the universe and how it works, all of which impacts your lives in ways that you can't see and fully relate to, and all of which is outside of your control and is firmly in the control of the only one who actually has control, which is God. When you worry, you're denying the truth that you are not in control. And forget the fact that there is someone that actually is in control, which is God. In fact, the very root of worry, in your own indirect way, what you're doing is you're trying to switch places with God. Because you want to be in control because you trust yourself more than you trust Him. That's why the worry monster exists. That's where he comes from. Somewhere down deep inside of you is this voice that's telling you you should be in control. That's why when you worry, you find yourself making bad decisions because nobody ever makes really good decisions when out of fear and anxiety. Okay? When you worry, you end up doing things that you shouldn't do or you normally wouldn't do. When you worry, you say things you shouldn't say or get involved in things that you shouldn't get involved in. Tell me that's not the truth. Okay? Because each one of you can say, been there, done that, and bought the t-shirt. Right? You do the things and you say the things that you shouldn't and normally wouldn't do when you worry because there's something in you and in me that says, I should be in control. That's where the worry monster comes from. That's why he's inside of you. And at the, at the root of worry, at the very lifeblood of this monster is this denial of the truth that you are not in control. And until you come to the place where you deal with that and embrace that truth and own it, you will continue to be a hapless victim of the worry monster, which, as I said before, 
is you. Until you embrace the truth, you will continue to suffer the ill effects of worry and anxiety. You will struggle with sleepless nights and you will feel the tension in your neck and you you will suffer health consequences and you will continue to do things and say things out of fear and anxiety, all in an effort to control things you can't control in the first place. And you can't control them because guess what? You're not God. And that's the truth that you have to hold on to. That's the bad news. But take heart, there's good news. And the good news is, there's a solution to all this. There's a solution to the worry monster. There's a solution to worry and anxiety. There's a solution so powerful that it will effectively effectively defang and declaw the worry monster for the rest of your life. It's a solution so powerful that it can remove anxiety and fear and worry out of your life. It can relieve the tension that you feel in your neck. It It can ease the knot in your stomach. It can make your sleep sweet and abundant again. It's so powerful that it can improve your well-being and give you new life and and bring new life to your relationships. It's so effective that it will give you a new purpose and it can can help you to excel in whatever you do, including work. Now understand, this won't solve every problem you have in your life, but it will help to make your life better. In fact, it is the antidote to the worry monster. And we find this antidote in the book of Philippians chapter 4, beginning verse 4, it says... Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will rejoice. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This text right here, whether you realize it or not, is the antidote to the very poison of worry. In fact, let's just take a moment and let's just unpack this and see why. uh, The the Apostle Paul begins verse 4 with, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You see, the very first thing that you have to understand is that this text right here is actually written to Christians. Okay, Paul is making this, this, this statement to the church of Philippi. He's addressing believers in Christ. And so his encouragement is to rejoice in the Lord. Now, why is he saying this? Okay, And why is this part of the antidote of the worry monster? Well, because think about this. No matter where you go, no matter what happens in your life, and no matter what's going on, if you love Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus, you can always rejoice in the Lord. Why? Well, because if you truly follow Christ and you belong to Him, then the greatest problem you will ever face, the greatest problem you will ever face in this life and into eternity is already taken care of. You're no longer a sinner condemned to hell. You're a child of God saved by grace. And you have a hope that will never, ever, ever be taken from you. That is the gospel. That is the good news. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And all you had to do is turn to him in faith and make Jesus the Lord of your life and you were saved forever. And it doesn't matter how bad things get in your life. It doesn't matter how in trials you come. There is a glorious hope that awaits you. That doesn't ever get taken away from you. In fact, Paul in Romans 8.18 says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy of comparing to the glory that which is to be revealed to us. It doesn't matter how bad things get here in this life. Even, you know, even if in the worst case scenario, it's not a big deal in light of the glory that awaits us in heaven. Where there will be no more tears and no more pain and no more sorrow, no more suffering and no more misunderstandings. Okay? That's what Paul is saying. When you have Christ, 
you effectively have everything. But on the other hand, if you have had all the joy and the comforts of the world, but you're not saved, you in essence have nothing. In fact, Jesus himself says in Mark 8, 36, he says, For what, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What good is it to have everything in this temporal life that will come to an end and then spend all of your eternity in hell? So if you're a Christian, if you've placed your trust in Jesus, then the greatest problem you will ever face in your life is already taken care of. You are already redeemed. You are already set free. You are saved. And in that, you can always, always, always rejoice. And you should always rejoice. Because when you rejoice in the Lord, you take your focus off of you and off of your life, and you turn that focus on to God. Who, by the way, should always be the very center of your focus and of our thoughts and our affections and our intentions. When we rejoice in the Lord, we're turning our heart and our mind, focusing not on your desire to be in control, but instead you focus on the one who actually is in control. And notice what he says. He says, rejoice always. Which means exactly that. Always rejoice in the Lord. When the sun shines, when the rain comes, when things are good, when things are bad, no matter what happens and no matter what comes your way, you can always rejoice. And then notice what else it says. He says, the Lord is at hand. Or in other words, the Lord is near, which is, which is a glorious truth for those of us who are in Christ because the Lord is near. All right? He is always near. He's near because, because when you trust Jesus, when you put your life in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. In fact, Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit with in you whom you have from God. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. If you're a Christian, God is always ever-present with you. And He promises that He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. Okay? The first part that you have to understand is that no matter what happens, you always have a reason to rejoice. The second part you have to understand is God is always near you. And because of these two then, you should not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Because you are a child of God. Because God is always near, then you shouldn't be anxious. You should not be worried or stressed out about anything. That's what he's saying. Anything. Now, this phrase that's translated here, don't be anxious about anything, actually literally means be anxious for nothing. And this word nothing in this text right here means the complete absence of anything. It means no thing, no one, no possible variation of anything. Okay? It's a complete absence is what he's saying here. Okay? Paul says to be anxious for nothing. Not a little thing, not a big thing, not a personal thing, not a work thing. He says, don't be worried about anything. Not money, not the economy, not your job, not your family, not your friends. He says to be anxious and to worry about nothing. Well, why does he say that? Well, because you belong to God. You're a child of God. You were saved by grace, and He's always near you. So don't worry about anything, but instead in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, on the other hand, okay, on one hand, we're, we're, we're to worry about nothing, you know, which is the absolute nothing. But then on the other hand, we're to pray about everything. And this word here from the Greek, everything, means exactly that. It means all-inclusive, every possible thing, every form and fashion of everything. 
So, so what this literally means is you need to pray about everything. Pray about your job, your finances, your spouse, your kids, your family, the surgery that your, your, your neighbor is having. Pray about the tough choices that you have to make, the circumstances that, you, that are happening in your life that you have no control over. You need to pray to God for, for provision and wisdom. You need to pray about everything, whether it's big or whether it's tiny. If it's something that you can cause you to worry, even the tiniest little bit, it's something that you can pray for. So rejoice in the fact that you're a child of God. Okay? And you're saved for eternity. And God is always near. So don't worry about a single tiny thing, but instead pray for everything. And, and if you will do that, then God makes this incredible, amazing promise here. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ. Now, you, you, we have to process this, okay? Because there's a lot here. Because when he says... When you, because the truth is, is worry, okay, when you think about worry, the side effects of worry are stress, pain, sleepless nights, unsettled stomach, rapid heart rate, labored breathing, tension, I mean, I mean the bad kind of tension, okay, you lose focus on everything else, you can become distracted, you become, you know, irritable and moody, okay, your life is the exact opposite of what peace is, okay, because that's what we described, in fact, is the exact opposite of what peace is, because peace is calm, Right? Peace is comfortable. Peace is relaxed. Peace is clear-headed. Peace isn't painful or gut-wrenching. Peace is clear-thinking and focused and composed. It's the exact opposite of worry and anxiety. And Paul says that if you will not be anxious about anything, but you will pray about everything, you will have the exact opposite of worry. You will have peace. And not just any kind of peace. Not the peace that the world knows and gives, but a peace that is so complete and so overwhelming and so incredible that it surpasses all intelligence and all reason and comprehension and insight and understanding. It's a peace that is not of this world. It is a peace that has a supernatural origin to it. It is the peace of God given by the God of peace. It's the purest form of peace from none other than the author of peace himself. And this peace isn't just a feeling, okay? This, is a, this peace has its own power to it. Because that's what Paul says. He says, the peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, this word guard right here is actually a military term. And it actually can be translated as garrison, okay? But what it, what it really literally means, though, is that, this, that it, it watches over. It's protecting the peace of God that comes through sincere prayer has the ability to protect your heart and your mind. And this phrase that Paul's using here, heart and mind, he's using this to communicate the idea of your entire internal self. The thinking part of you, the emotional part of you, the rational part of you, the spiritual part of you. The peace that comes from prayer, that supernatural peace is so powerful that it'll protect the real and complete internal you. And that peace then can translate into a whole new life experience. Because think about this. What is your life like? If in the very midst of the worst possible crisis, you have a peace that is protecting you to the point that you can think clearly. And your emotions... Somebody needs some peace over there, too. And your, and, and your emotions... 
And, and your emotions, though, that you're feeling them. They're not overwhelming you. And you're able to process and rationalize and understand the dangers you face. Yet you can put them down and you can concentrate on the part of your life that you can control. And you're able to set things aside and, and get a good night's sleep. And you are able to take what's worrying you and, and put it aside and let God have it to be present in the moment with your spouse and with your children. And you can take these things that are happening you know, around you and put them away so it doesn't affect your work. Think about what your life would be like if you knew that kind of peace. What kind of, you know, what would that kind of peace your life would be mentally better? With that kind of peace, your life would be emotionally better, spiritually better, even physically better. You will be, you'll have more patience. You will <clears throat> make better choices and decisions and you will have more joy because this right here is the antidote to the very toxicity that is brought on by worry. What you need to do is just use and embrace the truth that you're not in control and rejoice in and pray to and trust in the one who is in control. That's how you deal with the root of worry. And notice what Paul says here in the letter. He says, in everything by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. And, and here's a few things that we need to point out about, about this text. Number one, Paul, it, what he's saying in this text is that everything by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, notice that, 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 that there's an important thing that he's doing here. He's communicating that there are really three connected ideas, but they're still distinct. You have prayer, okay, which is in, in general. Then you have supplication, which is a type of prayer. And then you have thanksgiving, which is another type of prayer. So let me say that again. You have prayer this in the general sense, and you have supplication, which is a type of prayer, and you have thanksgiving, which is another type of prayer. So what is Paul, you know, why does he word this text this way? Well, let's, let's take this apart and let's, let's, let's examine this. And we'll begin with thanksgiving. See, thanksgiving is a type of prayer to God. It's basically thanking him for everything. Thanking him for salvation, for Jesus, for provision, for your family, for your job, you know, for, for your food, you know, for your church family. Thanksgiving is saying, thank you, Lord. Okay? And, and here's the thing. If you belong to Christ, regardless of what's happening in your life right now, you always have a reason to thank him. You always have a reason to thank him. Because guess what? You've been saved. Right? The greatest problem in your life has already been taken care of. Just like you have a reason always to rejoice, you always have a reason to be thankful to God. Our prayers should always include thanksgiving because thanksgiving does two things. Okay? It takes the focus off of us and puts the focus on God and it puts our heart in the right place when we approach God. Because think about this. Who are you more likely to respond to and help? A person who's grateful or a person who is ingrateful? So whenever you pray... You should come to God with thanksgiving. Now, when it comes to supplication, supplication, or some translations call it a petition, is a type of prayer that, that, you know, where you're making a request. In fact, supplication or a petition is when a person goes before a sovereign king to make a formal request that the king do something or allow something. Okay? And this is an important point because, because it should help to shape our attitude on how we ask God for things. Because remember... We live in a universe that's 96 billion light years across who is all, what is all controlled and created by God himself. And when you pray, you're approaching the sovereign king who controls all of that. Okay? You're not just asking your neighbor for something, right? 
You're not just asking your co- you're not even just asking your pastor for something. You are, you're, you're coming and standing before the most powerful being in all of creation. By his grace, he allows you to speak to him and ask him for specific things. You're allowed to make your petition. You are allowed to make your request to God. And when you do, you are appealing to the highest possible authority because no one, no one can answer the re- requests like he can. So thanksgiving and supplication are types of prayers that Paul says we should engage in. But Paul also says prayer generically. And, and, and as I read this, I read this over and over and over again. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and why he worded this way. And I knew that there was a reason. And, and I've read several commentaries, but I read this one particular commentary that I think that really speaks to what Paul is getting at here. Uh, William McDonald in his commentary says, Prayer is both an act and an atmosphere. We come to the Lord at specific times to bring specific requests before Him, but it is also possible to live in an atmosphere of prayer. It's possible that the mood of our life should be a prayerful mood. Perhaps the word prayer in this verse signifies the overall attitude of our life, whereas supplication signifies um, the specific request which we bring to the Lord. And I think, I think McDonald is absolutely right on the money here. And, and uh, because if, if, if I'm going to not be anxious about anything and I'm going to take everything in prayer to God, then I need to live in an atmosphere of prayerfulness. That prayer should not simply be something that I do, but prayer should be the life that I live every day. It should, I should be constantly looking to connect to God in prayer. I should be thinking about every little way to talk to God, which means my life needs to be more than just a one time or two times or three times a day coming to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Protect my family. Help me to do this or that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Now, understand, if, if that's what you do, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay? And if you're not doing that, you should at least do that. What I'm saying here, okay, What I'm saying here, and what Paul is saying here, is we need to continually live a life of prayer. We should continually be communicating with God. We should be continually thanking Him throughout the day for getting us through. Thank you for traveling mercies. Thank you for that my my, my wife's healthy. Thank you that my kids are alive. Thank you for this food. Okay, that we should be thanking Him and asking Him to guide us and direct us and give us wisdom and to meet our needs and and to hear our requests. Okay, that is how you're to pray about everything, and and, and that that's how you avoid worrying about anything. You are continually focused on God in every part of your life, trusting Him, communicating with Him, understanding that He is with you and loves you and ultimately is in control of everything. That that is what your life in prayer should be like. You should be so continually throughout your day connected with God and that you should be so used to talking with God that the very first hint of worry when it crosses your mind, should be an alarm going off in your head and that alarm should drive you immediately to your knees in prayer. The moment that you experience that tension in your neck or you feel that knot in your stomach or that moment you feel your heart start to race or the darkness begin to approach, it should be like an air raid siren going off where you run for cover of the peace that God gives you and that you immediately turn to Him in prayer. That's how you overcome fear and doubt. You turn to the one who's in control and you continually connect with him in prayer, trusting him and his plan for you in your life. But the truth is, many of us don't do this. We just don't stop and pray. We continue to try to walk in our own strength and solve all of our own problems. And uh, we, we, we're just too busy, we say. We don't have enough time. 
Uh, we don't have enough energy. That's some of the things that we say. But the truth is, we're actually acting like practical atheists. Okay, we say that we believe in God, and we say that he's all-powerful, and we say that we trust him, but then we live like we actually don't really believe what we just said. And I'm not just making this up, because without exception, when somebody comes to my office, you know, and they want to talk about problems in their life, not one time did they ever say, oh, man, I really have a great, robust prayer life. That's not what they talk, that's not what they say. Okay? Not one of them do they say, man, I, I am so connected with God all the time. I have this close, deep relationship with prayer. I feel His presence. That just, that's not the words that you hear from somebody that comes to my office to talk about their problems. When people come to talk to me about their kids or their finances or marriage or addiction, whatever, whatever it is, I ask two basic questions always. And so you might as well know, if you come see me, I'm going to ask you two questions. Okay? Number one is, how's your time in the Word? Number two is, how's your time in your prayer? Okay? And not one, not, not one time has anybody said, you know what, man, I have this great devotional time. Every day I'm in the Word. I'm just experiencing God in brand new ways. And, and man, I am just so connected to God in prayer. That is not, that is not what happens. Okay? That's not the way it works. Many people you know, really behave like practical atheists. I'm, I'm sure they believe, and they say they believe, but they don't act like they believe it. That's why prayer is the absolute most underutilized tool available to any Christian. It's a tool that's available to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. God never takes a holiday, sick day, or time off. He is always ready to hear you. And He promises if you will talk to Him and engage Him and come to Him about everything, He will take away your worry and your anxiety and your fear, and He will give you a peace that's so incredible that will protect you emotionally, spiritually, and rationally. Think about that. That is what you and I have access to, but we don't do it. The cure for the worry monster is to stop living like a practical atheist and acknowledge the truth that you are not in control, rejoice in the one who actually is in control, and take everything to him in prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And here's the thing. If you will do that, Okay, this isn't like, like, like theory here. Okay? This, is, this is practical application. This will actually have results. Okay? If you will do that in your life, your life will absolutely be transformed. It will change. Okay? Understand, your life will change. You will experience less stress. You will experience more joy. You will be healthier mentally, physically. You'll be more productive. You will be better focused. You will walk in a peace like you have never known before. You will enjoy greater intimacy with God. And you will see God at work. And you will be absolutely amazed at what He will do around you and through you. If you will do this. If you do this, worry and anxiety will be a thing of the past for you. If you stop trusting in your ability to control things and acknowledge the truth that you're not in control and rejoice in the one who is in control and take everything, and I mean every little tiny thing to him in prayer, supplication and thanksgiving, your life will change. The question is, do you want your life to change? Do you want to know that kind of peace like you've never known before? Well, if you do, then what you need to do today is you need to make a decision. And you just need to commit to do it. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect for this. I'm going to help you with this. Okay? And here's what I want you to do. At the bottom of your notes, there's a section on the second page um, that says application. All right? and, and what I want you to do is in that little application section, I just want you to write down three things. Okay? And the three things I want you to write down are these. They're just little statements. I am not, but he is. 
I rejoice, I pray. Three little key phrases. I am not, but he is. I rejoice, I pray. Now here's what I want you to do with this, okay? When you encounter something this week where you begin to feel your stress level go up, okay? Or when you begin to fear fear or feel, feel fear because of something, or you find that you're starting to worry about something, I want you to remember these three simple phrases. I am not, but he is. I rejoice, I pray. And what you need, need to simply do is this, is just use this as a template and just say out loud, I am not in control of this situation that I'm in. Or I'm not in control of her attitude. I'm not in control of this or that. But God is, and I trust him. I'm not in control of what my boss has to say or do today, but God is, and I'm going to trust him. And then I rejoice in him because he is in control, and he loves me, and he saved me. So, Lord, I pray that you would help me to trust you more and that you would take away my anxiety and that you would give me a peace to know that you're in control and I'm not. And I thank you for that. I thank you for your grace and your mercy, and I thank you for helping me with this. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay. This is what I want you to do. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. We're not talking about getting a theology degree. It's talking about practical application, stopping in the middle. When you feel fear, it should be like ding, 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 ding. I need to stop what I'm doing. I've got three things to remember. Okay. I am not, but he is. I rejoice, I pray. Okay. And so when you experience fear and anxiety, use this as a template to immediately turn to God in prayer. Let your worry be a reminder to do this. And if you will do this, and continue to do this and take everything to him in prayer. You will permanently slay that worry monster and you will know a true peace that will change your life forever and you will glorify God in a way you have never known before. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the comfort to know that you are in control. Uh, as much, Lord, as I think I should be in control, I have found at many times where if I would have made the decision, I would have made a terrible decision. You're sovereign, and, and I've seen it so many times in my life. Your word says, all things work together for those who love you and call according to your purpose. Lord, I just, I trust in that. I trust in your word, and I trust that you know. I mean, you created the universe. You know every tiny little molecule and subatomic particle that exists in the universe. You set it all in motion. It exists by your will and your word. Every part of my life, you know me intimately, inside and out. You know everything there is to know about me. Why would I dare trust in myself? I want to turn and trust in you. And I want to continue just to walk. The moment I feel that fear, I want to turn to you and just say, Lord, I'm not in control. You are. And I'm going to rejoice that you are in control and that I can trust you. I'm going to pray to you immediately, Lord, that you would help to comfort me and strengthen me. I'm going to make my request known. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray, Lord, that you're going to get people saved. I'm going to pray, Lord God, that you're going to heal people. I'm going to pray, Lord, that you're going to help make sure that, that we have what we need to, to do what we need to do. I'm going to pray, Lord, continually for things. And, and understanding that sometimes I might get the answer I want, sometimes I won't. But I'm going to all the while trust in you because you are are the sovereign king who loved me so much that I can even just have your attention that you sent your son to die so I can even have the right to approach the throne of grace 
boldly. And I just thank you for that. And I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you, Lord God, that uh, we would just continue to grow in your grace. I pray, Lord God, for those who are not here, that you would protect and bless them. I pray, Lord God, that you, for all that who are a part of our uh, church family, that you would raise us up to be mature Christians, boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world. And we thank you for that. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's glorious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.